Okay, so in John chapter 9, beginning with verse 9. Some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, how were thine eyes opened? He answered and said, a man who was called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and received my sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. They brought to the Pharisees, excuse me, they brought to the Pharisees him that formerly was blind. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again the Pharisees asked him, how he had received his sight. He said unto them, He put clay upon mine eyes, and I washed and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. They say unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him, since he hath opened thine eyes? He said, He is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him, that he had been blind and received his sight, until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who ye say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him. He shall speak for himself. These words spoke his parents, because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, He is of age, ask him. Then again called they the man that was blind, and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he is a sinner or not, I know not one thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Then said they to him again, What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and he did not, and ye did not hear. Why would ye hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? Then they reviled him, and said, Thou art his disciples, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke unto Moses, and for this fellow we know not from where he is. The man answered and said unto him, Why, here is a marvelous thing, that ye know not from where he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God, and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the age began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? 
If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sin, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they who see not might see, and that they who see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words, and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. Shall we pray? Lord, we do thank you for the reading of this narrative and of the various subjections and things that were said concerning this man who was born blind and how that Jesus completely vindicated himself through this man as he showed him of his true lordship and how that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ was truly the Son of God and the man prevailed to believe. Lord, we thank you that where true faith is, it prevails to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we see in the narrative, though it's a rather lengthy selection, uh, there is uh, quite a bit of uh, back and forth here in the narrative as to uh, concerning these objections. And I've written down a a few of those comments here. Uh, First of all, his neighbors were amazed, saying, is not this the man born blind? And some agreed. They were, they were, there was a differencing of opinion, but they were, uh, there was some agreement that, yes, uh, I think it is uh, the man that was born blind. Um, as uh, we find in most cases, uh, there is a differing opinion. You even uh, find a certain, uh, somebody witnessing something, and they'll say one thing about the, the, the account, and somebody else will say another thing about the account. Um, But uh, as we look at this uh, particular account concerning the man who was born blind, um, though they were quite amazed, yet they were some who said, yes, it is he, it it is he that was born blind. Uh, Secondly, others said, he is like him. So we have the neighbors, and there's some disagreement there. Uh, Then we have the others who, um, who said, well, maybe it isn't him, maybe it is somebody like him. Uh, and so there is a, another sense of, um, of an opinion here concerning him, as uh, there might be in any particular account. And then the they here, they said, how were your eyes opened? Well, as it comes to this case, we, we find that the Pharisees had some objections that they wanted to voice as well. And so the Pharisees uh, questioned him, saying, this man is not of God. Uh, Why? Because, uh, well, he did it on the Sabbath day. He did it on the day when the law said you weren't supposed to do any work of any kind. Even if it was a good work, you weren't supposed to do it, uh, according to the Pharisees. 
but notice I put number five at the top where it says, Faith prevails to believe. In verses 35 to 41, here we find that Jesus affirms his deity to this man who was born blind, who others uh, levied certain objections, but uh, he himself finally, in talking to the Lord, recognized that, yes, this uh, miracle which was done was done by one who must be truly the Son of God. And so he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and he worshipped him as the Son of God. And so we, uh, we want to come away from the text with this thought that, that faith prevails, that true faith prevails. Well, any kind of false faith won't prevail very long. It will be quickly overthrown by something or someone. If it's, a, if, it's not, if it's just a human faith, you know, if it's just a faith that sits in the chair and says the chair will hold me up, well, don't count that that's going to last very long. The chair may get kind of rickety over time and may collapse. But the Lord Jesus Christ is not a chair that one sits in. The Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the one who came forth from the Father, the incarnate of God, and he came to re be revealed as the one who would save his people from their sin. And so we find that uh, true faith has an object, and not just any object, it is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so even at the end of the narrative, the, the blind man is made to see Jesus for who he truly is. And he could not discount himself in any way. Uh, he could not discount the fact that he, has, that he was once was blind, and now he could see. And how could any man do this that was not of God? And so no matter what others said, he had to, in the end, believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, and that's where true faith rests, isn't it? It rests in Christ. True faith uh, considers that all else fails but the one who has made me see that I it was a sinner and that I needed the grace of God and that only the grace of God can save. And Christ alone revealed in the scripture is that one who saves all who will call upon him. Well, let us begin with the text here in verse 9. Uh, as we look here, and it starts out by saying this. Uh, well, verse 8, we'll start with verse 8. The neighbors, therefore, and they who before had seen him, that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Well, okay, so here is the primary um, pragmatic truth, you might say. Uh, pragmatism looks at the very basic practical elements of something. And pragmatically, looking at this fellow, well, he looks like the one who was a, a beggar. He looks like the same man that was blind. In fact, we had seen him sitting, begging, blind, and now he is seeing. And so the neighbors, um, and as we think about neighbors, there has to be somebody of fairly close um, communication with someone, uh, fairly close interaction, maybe they just walked by the blind man every day on the way to the temple or on the way to the market 
or maybe they was maybe the, this blind man sat near the temple, and uh, so we find that uh, as they they put they carefully walked those various streets that were near to the temple or near to where this blind man sat. Uh, here they said, well, that's the blind man. We've seen him there for so many years now, and he has sat begging in the same place. He hasn't, he hasn't changed at all. And maybe uh, you've, uh, you've seen some people who would fit a similar category as a beggar, as somebody looking for a handout. Um, today we call them panhandlers, and they usually stand in the middle of the street on a little cement or or island of sorts that is created in the road, and they they're sitting there or standing there, and they have a, a cardboard uh, that they're holding up, and they usually have some kind of a little uh, vessel there that to collect some money in. And as people come up to the red light at that particular island, they're just waiting for somebody to roll down the window and to give them a handout because, uh, well, they happen to be homeless or they're not working or maybe they're transient people just going from one place to another. They haven't got any special place to be. Well, it could be that there was some physical infirmity. I mean, we don't know. When you see somebody like that, you may wonder, do they have a heart condition? Uh, have, do they have asthma? Uh, is there some kind of physical deformity or something that has brought them to this place? Is there some kind of addiction? You know, what is it that has, has brought them to that kind of, of law in life? Well, this man who was sitting there in this uh, usual place was brought to this place because he was blind. In fact, his parents said that he was born that way. He has never been able to see since the day he was born. And so what could he possibly do for himself? Perhaps, you know, his parents said, well, you, you're now an adult person. It's time to go out and see if somebody will help you earn a living. Uh, somebody will take pity on you and give you some food or give you some money. And uh, so they, perhaps they took him every day and led him to the place where he would sit down. We aren't told all these various circumstances, are we, about this man. Or only said, it's only said that he was born blind. And uh, Jesus, the disciples say, well, was it his sin or was it his parents' sin? Why did this happen to him? And Jesus says, neither one. Just that the the glory of God might be known through him. That the the glory of God may be manifest through him. And so we find that... uh, his neighbors took particular account of who he was. And so as we, as we see this, some uh, agreed. They were, they were amazed and some agreed. Uh, verse 9, some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. But he said, I am he. Well, they were kind of going back and forth, you know. Evidently, he, there was an earshot, right? Uh, they uh, was in a common location where he could hear what was being said, what was being said about him, and who was saying it. And finally he said, no, I'm, I'm the man, I'm he, I'm, I'm that person who has always sat here and I was blind and now I see. Well, there's nothing like a personal testimony, is there? And perhaps you have had an opportunity to give a personal testimony about your life. You know, and how that you came to faith in Christ. And maybe some have asked you, well, what happened? How, how come you decided to be a Christian? 
What is it that brought you to that place where you are trusting in Jesus as your Savior? And perhaps you have, would give a testimony or, or say something to the effect, well, um, it was when I was a certain age, maybe it was 19, or maybe it was 20, or maybe it was 30, or anywhere in between or above, and uh, you, you perhaps gave some particulars about it, and you said, well, the Lord saved me. And, uh, you know, every, everybody's testimony is a little bit different, isn't it? Perhaps you have listened to people give their testimony, and I, and I would say, in this room, if I would ask you to give your personal testimony, everyone would be just a little bit different. Uh, well, this man's testimony was that he was blind. Jesus came along and anointed his eyes with clay, told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam, and that he came away seeing. He says, I am the person. Let's not make a mistake about this. You know, you're arguing about something, and I'm telling you I'm that person. Uh, and so there's nothing like a personal testimony to kind of clear the air here. Uh, but, you know, some people are never satisfied. That's the, the problem with this whole thing. And, uh, and so that brings us uh, a little bit further down on the narrative here. Look at verse 10. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes opened? They want to know how. You know, isn't it? People are always kind of, well, there, there, there must be more to it than this. You, there must be something more. And, uh, and so they, they asked him, how did this take place? And he answered, verse 11, and said, A man who was called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam, which means sent, by the way, and wash. And I went and washed and I received my sight. It was that simple, if you will. Oh, that clear. Uh, and very precisely did he say what, what took place. Um, he met Jesus. Jesus had anointed at his eyes uh, with, with the clay and told him to go to the pool and to wash, and, and he could see. And, um, well, isn't it true that when we come to faith in Christ, or when you know someone who has come to faith in Christ, it, it is really a very easy and simple event that takes place. Perhaps you remember when you knelt down and prayed and asked the Lord to forgive you of your sins and to come into your heart and life. And now that little statement that I just made is really very clear. It's really very simple. I knelt down. I prayed. I asked the Lord to save me, to forgive my sins. I confessed before him that I was a sinner. And the Lord saved me. But you see, that is not enough for many people. Uh, but... To you and to me, to the person who has been affected, like this blind man, I mean, it was quite dramatic in his life. He never could see before, but now he could see. He says, well, that's what happened. And now I see. And uh, who could argue? But uh, it, to the blind man, it was perfectly clear. There was no mistake about it, what had happened. And he was perfectly changed in his life. And, of course, that is what we see that happens in the lives of people who come to faith in Christ. It's perfectly simple. It's perfectly clear. They immediately believe and trust in the Lord Jesus. And uh, uh, I know I've had a couple of different uh, occasions when I've talked to people who, who you think were all set as far as their Christian life was concerned. But then they hear a message. 
And then all of a sudden they say, well, what must I do to be saved? And you tell them, all you need to do is to confess your sins and trust in the Lord Jesus as your Savior. And they pray, and then all of a sudden their countenance has changed, um, and everything about them begins to appear to be quite different to them, personally, to themselves. It's all different. I never knew this before. And they begin to have a great joy and, and a great rejoicing. In it. And I would, I would grant you that this man, in his uh, aftermath of his uh, situation with Jesus, I'm sure his countenance had fully changed. And I'm sure that he was very joyful that he could see where once he was blind. Um, and, and so this is a, this is a great testimony as we, as we read concerning this. In verse 12, Then said they unto him, Where is he? Um, so there were they said, there were they, num- uh, number three, they. So we have the neighbors, we have the uh, some who agreed, we have the others, and we have the they. All kinds of, we all use these terms occasionally, don't we? They're kind of vague terms about people, uh, but they don't mention any particular names, it's just people. Uh, they and them, who are they? And the others. Well, uh, as, he, as, he, as he was saying here, um, and they questioned him, where is he? Where is Jesus? They said, he said, I know not. He didn't know. Uh, can you tell me how you were saved? Apart from what I kind of previously said, uh, probably you would be hard put to say what actually happened. Except to say what I just said. You prayed and asked the Lord to forgive you of your sins and asked Jesus to come into your life and you were saved. And that's it. (laughs) Uh, And so what does he say here? (laughs) And so um, uh, where is he? He said, I know not. I don't know where he is. Where did he go to? Why did God save me? Maybe you've asked that question. And and some some people would say, well, where is Jesus? I mean, you're trusting in someone you've never seen before. You, you believe in someone in, in really what they would probably call ancient history. Where is he? How do you know you're saved? You see. Uh, well, so this fellow was being similarly approached. Uh, verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees him that formerly was blind. So now these people, we might say the the neighbors, those who were amazed, uh, the others, the they, they, well, let's go to the the religious, remember, they're probably in the synagogue or somewhere near there, right? And who is the authority? The Pharisees. Well, let's go talk to the, the religious rulers and see what they have to say. And so they bring him up to, unto the Pharisees. Uh, and they, they said, well, certainly we can get some answers now. So they brought to the Pharisees the blind man uh, that formerly was blind. Uh, so the seeing man that was formerly blind. Maybe we should put it that way. <laughs> In verse 14, and it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. So they, they identified the particular day. It was on Saturday. It was on their most holy day, a day when they should have been in the synagogue and worshiping in the synagogue. Uh, verse 15, Then again the Pharisees asked him how he had received his sight. 
Uh, so the Pharisees begin to question him now. Neighbors and others and they and some who agreed and, and now the Pharisees begin to question. He said unto them, He put clay upon mine eyes and washed and I do see. Perhaps you would be quite happy if you had this many opportunities to give your testimony. Four or five times now already he's had, to, he's had an opportunity to say something about how, how he came to faith in Christ. Uh, how many times a day do you have an opportunity to give your testimony for the Lord, you see? Well, if you had five times, well, that would be really great, wouldn't it? That you could give your testimony five different times, maybe? <laughs> well, this fellow did. He had that many opportunities. Uh, Therefore, some of the Pharisees, verse 16, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath. So they had their little criteria, okay? Um... They don't come to... He can't be of God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. Because he doesn't do all of the law. He doesn't do everything that the law says. So immediately they begin to, to judge Jesus by a standard that, well, for all practical purposes, it was man-made. Um, if they kind of narrowed it down to the true commandments of God they probably uh, would be a lot narrower than what the Mishnah and the Torah and the various uh, other rabbinical teachings recorded had to say. But they, were, they came back to this one, the Sabbath, the Sabbath day, because it was one that everybody was supposed to keep, right? If you were a Jew, you were supposed to keep the Sabbath, and strictly so. But you may remember that uh, there were a few occasions in the Old Testament that violated Sabbath too. Uh, David went into the temple and made some showbread. And the priest even gave him the privilege to do it. And that wasn't commonly done. Um, and then Jesus walked among the fields of grain and his disciples and they took some grain and they crushed it and they ate it and they had a big about that one too. Uh, so these Pharisees, they were pretty, pretty strict religious people, you might say. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? So there was a couple of questions back. Well, he doesn't keep the Sabbath, but how can a sinner do miracles, he said, they say. And there was a division among them. Well, that's a miracle in itself, isn't it? That there should be a division. <laughs> well, we know that that commonly happens. You get a, a full, room full of pre preachers together, and uh, you probably can't find an agreement on everything with a room full of preachers. There'll be something that they'll divide over. Uh, <laughs> as we're kind of uh, like that, you know, they're pretty particular, you know, in doctrinal belief. Uh, but anyway, these these Pharisees, they they did quiver. Um, and quabble or squabble about a lot of different things. And when it came to Jesus, um, just trying to figure out who he is and what, why he did what he did, uh, it caused a lot of division among them. Verse 17, they say unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him, since he hath opened thine eyes? And so they begin to ask the blind man again, Well, who healed you? And what do you say now? Um, about this man who opened your eyes. Well, his name was Jesus, uh, and that's much I know. Now he says, he is a prophet. He must be a prophet. 
Well, if you if he wasn't God, then to be a prophet was wrong. That's up there pretty good too, right? There were a lot of prophets in the Old Testament, and if they were true prophets of God, well, remember Elijah and Elisha and and many of the prophets, they were credited with doing things that God allowed them to do. So maybe he thought, well, he must be a prophet if he could do these kinds of things. And let us not forget John the Baptist. He was a prophet too, the forerunner of Christ. In verse 18, But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received him. And so um, they were very skeptical. Skeptics don't believe what you tell them. Now you may have run into a few skeptics in your life. Oh, you claim to be religious and you claim to have come to Jesus as your Savior. Approve it. Prove to me there is a God. Prove to me that your sins are forgiven. Prove to me that you're going to heaven. Prove to me. They're skeptical. Uh, and they just don't take somebody's word for it, do they? And so we find the neighbors, we find the other people who somewhat agreed, we find the others who question him, saying, oh, he is like him. There were those who said, um, how were your eyes open? And then the Pharisees, they come questioning him as well, saying, this man is not of God. Um, so all of these questions um, uh, come forth from really the divisions among, among the people. And there were, was a division among them. Verse 17, they say unto the uh, blind man again, what sayest thou of him since he hath opened thine eyes? He said, he is a prophet. And so he does seem, this, this man, this blind man hasn't really quivered a lot in his testimony. No, he's, he's, he's really told the truth as much as he knew. He knew that Jesus was the man who healed him. He knew that he had been anointed with clay. He, he realized that he had been sent to wash off the clay and he came seeing. He gave testimony to all these things. And he gave testimony to the fact that, well, Jesus must be a prophet because of the miracle which he has done unto me. And so this blind man, he's, he's, uh, he's, you might say he's growing in faith a little bit. You know, faith, it takes a little time for faith to, do, to fully uh, be manifest. What does the Bible say about faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we, we know that it takes a while. Remember when you first came to be a Christian? And how that you believed and the Lord saved you and you, you felt truly like your life was changed and your sins were forgiven but then they probably told you, well, you should begin going to church. And so you should find a church to go to, a church that, that you can be taught the Word of God. Or maybe you, you said, well, you should go to a Bible study and you should um, begin to read the Bible and study the Bible. And maybe they gave you the Gospel of John or something else to study and to read. And um, you began... In other words, in small things, you began to grow and mature more in your faith. And so, in a sense, we do see this man beginning to 
to grow a little bit in his understanding. Yes, Jesus did it. Yes, I was blind. Now I can see something has happened to me. It was a miracle of God. He must be a prophet. Verse 18, but the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until, until, well, there's another circumstance that comes to play, doesn't it? The until, um, it goes on, now they want cooperation from somebody else. But the other people that they want cooperation from are somewhat reluctant because they don't want to be put out of the synagogue. You know, that's kind of like saying, you can't come to church anymore here. You've got to go someplace else. And probably the synagogues were closely enough connected so that if you were kicked out of one, you probably couldn't get into another one very easily. You know, it's kind of like excommunication. Um, and so um, we find the Jews did not believe him. And so they called for his parents uh, to question them. Verse 19, and they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then doth he now see? So his parents said, Yes, this is my son. Verse 20, his parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son. Well, yeah, he is our son. And uh, that he was born blind. But what, by what means he now seeth, we know not. They didn't want to say well, maybe, you know, maybe they were just as skeptical as the others were. Maybe not as much as the Pharisees, for sure. But have you, have you been back to your parents since you received the Lord? Or do you remember when you did receive the Lord and maybe you went to your parents? Or maybe you went to your aunt or your uncle or a brother or a sister? Maybe they didn't immediately say... Oh, you really? Well, what, what happened to you anyway? Now, you're so, now you've got religion? Now you somehow got religion? Maybe, you, maybe you've heard that later on in life too. Maybe after grandchildren or brothers or sisters come home or various people in the family and they still are not convinced that of what, you, what happened to you. You may tell them, but they're kind of like... Well, what really happened? Why you, why you go to church all the time? Don't you get tired of going to church? <clears throat> so these parents were, they were not altogether forthright. I mean, yes, they said he was their, their son. Um, he says, we know not. He is of age, ask him. Uh, he shall speak for himself. So they said, well, you know, let him speak for himself. Uh, they didn't want to. They didn't want the hammer to fall on them, so to speak. They didn't want the Pharisees to come back on them real heavy and say uh, something that was going to get them in trouble with them. Verse twenty-two. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ. He should be put out of the synagogue. So there was already something in place like, if anybody comes to you and says that they're of Christ, put them out of the synagogue. We don't want them around here. <clears throat> and so um, there was a very strong peer pressure against the parents from a, a lot of different sides, and especially from the religious rulers who were in the synagogue. 
And, and we know this can be very compelling, can it? You know, you, you take some religious groups and either, if you don't agree with everything they tell you, you can be uh, pushed to the side pretty quick. And this was um, very much the case here, that the Pharisees could push people aside and, and let's face it, to push somebody out of the synagogue and out of the favor with the Judaistic belief was like saying, well, you, you, you can't get to heaven anymore. You've got a black mark on you that just won't go away. Unless you recant. Well, that should bring us up in history, really, shouldn't it? Um, Rome had a great in inquisition. Spain had a great inquisition. Uh, many countries did wherever Catholicism, Roman Catholicism was in play. There was great periods of inquisition. If you did not agree with the powers that be, you were in big trouble. They not only excommunicated you, but they ended up killing you. And what did they want to do to Jesus? They wanted to kill him. And so to go against authority, religious authority, was no small thing in Jesus' day. And ever since, by the way. Uh, verse 23, Therefore said his parents, He is of age, ask him. Then again called they the man that was blind. Now they, they talk to the parents. Now they bring the blind man again, in again. He says, Um... And said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. So they wanted this blind man to speak out against Jesus. And against what had happened to him. They wanted him to speak out. Because they, they, they felt, well, Jesus is a sinner. He could not do these things. Verse 25, he answered and said, Whether he is a sinner or not, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. So he comes back to the basic element of life. And somebody may disagree with you about your Christian faith. And then you say, oh, I don't believe what you're telling me. You, you just get religious, religious, that's all. But what do you say to them? You say, well, one thing I know, my experience is that God changed my life. That once I was blind spiritually, but now I can see spiritually. Now I believe in Jesus Christ as my Savior. Now I believe that God is the Creator God. Now I believe that His Word is the inspired revelation to man that otherwise man would not know unless God give it. Now I know that sin is what keeps me from a right relationship with God. You may give a lot of different reasons. But it will be a clear evident, evidence of your own conviction before God. Your own conviction. And you see, that is what this man was doing. He was given as much uh, clear evidence of his conviction as he knew. I met Jesus. Jesus anointed my eyes. He sent me to the pool of Siloam. He, he healed me from my blindness. I can see. He must be a prophet. And now they want him to recant, really. They want him to, to turn against Jesus. That's what they want him to do. And, and verse 26, Then said they to him again, What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and ye did not hear. 
Why would you hear it again? He's getting a little bit tired of telling the same old story over and over again. And uh, we might be, some, you might be a little bit tired too of telling some people, you know, about your faith and why you co have come to faith in Christ and why you go to church every week and why you believe the Word of God. You may get a little perturbed at that every, every now and then. But those are the things that are of our true faith in Christ. And this man, he, he is true to his faith as much as he knows. Um, and then he says to them, the Pharisees, no doubt, will ye also be his disciples? Wouldn't you like to know Jesus, you too? Would, would you want to be a disciple of Christ? Maybe you've asked people something like that before. Wouldn't you like to come to faith in Jesus? Wouldn't you want your sins forgiven? Wouldn't you want to be free from guilt and the, and the, the bondage of sin which, which lays upon the heart of man? Wouldn't you want to be free? And so he asked them, will you also be his disciples? Of course, the disciple was a student, right? A student of someone. And so who is the, who is the master? The Lord Jesus. He is the master teacher. He is the Reboni. And so they said, do you want to be a disciple, a student of Jesus? Verse 28, then they reviled him. They're pretty angry at this point. They, How dare you say that to us? Um, they reviled him and said, thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. So they try to do him one better. Um, you're a disciple of Jesus, and you do not even know. You're a disciple of Jesus. We are disciples of Moses. Uh, and, of course, Moses is, you know, like, way up there on the scale of things in their eyes. And so they, they kind of put this fellow in his place, as it were, spiritually. Well, some people try to do that with their knowledge, too, don't they? Um, well, you believe in God, and you believe in Jesus, and you believe in creation, and you believe that you're saved. We are evolutionists. We believe that the world was created by a big bang. That's a bigger thing than your Jesus. We believe in a big bang. It just went bang one day, and everything blew apart and came back together, and here we are. We believe in evolution. And that evolution was, they crawled up out of a mud puddle, and they grew legs, and they jumped up in a tree, and they swung around for a while, and then they came back down, and they stood on two feet, and they began to talk to one another, and now here we stand. <laughs> they, you know, everybody comes up with his own Moses, his own bigger, bigger, better, brighter, four inches longer than anybody else. And the Pharisees had their bigger and brighter and better than anybody else. They had Moses. Um, and they thought they could quiet this man down. Um, I'd like to just say to you, don't let them quiet you down. If you know the Lord, stay true to your convictions. And this, this man was trying to stay true to his convictions. They were, they were throwing everything they could at him. That he was trying to hold on to what he knew had happened to him, and he wasn't about to let go. He was trying to hold hold steady to the to the ship. He says in verse twenty nine, "We know that God spoke unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not." 
from where he is. So the Pharisees, uh, they're trying to undermine again the, the sense of this man's faith. Verse 30, uh, the man answered and said unto him, why here, uh, why here is a marvelous thing that ye know, know not from where he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. So the Pharisees were trying to undermine his faith, but uh, this blind man had at least sense enough and faith enough to know that uh, something else was at play here too. Their arguments were not as valid in the eyes of the blind man as they hoped. Their arguments. Now you see, the world has certain arguments against us. But if you, have, if you have faith, even as a grain of a mustard seed, then your faith should be able to hang on. Because the things that the world says is not as valid as what has happened to you in your Christian faith. That you have come to faith in Jesus. That you now believe in God who is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That your sins are now forgiven and under the blood of Christ. That you believe that his word is the final authority for faith and practice. That you believe that there is not only a, a, uh, a mortal life, but an immortal life. And that the grave is not the end of all things. Because God has promised you a home in heaven. There are certain things in your Christian faith that, that cause you to question the validity of evolution and the Big Bang and the philosophies of men because they keep changing. That is why they keep changing. And we, when we know that the Word of God says that God is immutable, He is unchanging. He is unchanging. And so this man was not convinced. No. Why here is a marvelous thing that ye know not from where he is. You don't know where from this man came from. And, you, and of course they claim to be religious rulers and they're supposed to know everything. And yet he opened my eyes. See the fact is he gave me sight. Verse 31. Now we know that God heareth not sinners. You know, the Pharisees are, are coming at him again. But if any man be a worshiper of God and and doeth his will, him he heareth. Verse 32, Since the age began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? So, come, we come back to this question again. Uh, who can do miracles but God? See, only God can do miracles. Who can do miracles but God? And uh, this is not something which is so common, he says. Verse 33, If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sin, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. So the final, their final authority was, You're a sinner, we're righteous, get out of here. And so they, they tried to use the, you know, the final argument that with, we're in the religious authority, not you, and we tell you what to think, you don't tell us what to think, and they kicked him out. 
of the synagogue. And so this information now comes to Jesus. Uh, he begins to hear these things. Uh, and so this is the last section here, faith prevails to believe, in verses 35 to 41. <clears throat> and we'll take just a few moments to read this and come to the conclusion. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto them, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? So Jesus heard about it, and uh, he found the man who was born blind. He, they kicked him out of, the, out of the synagogue. But Jesus uh, found him, and he, he asked him the question, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? Uh, he answered and said, Who is he, Lord? And the idea of the first Lord is supposed to be just a, a respectful uh, title. Uh, or you might say teacher, you might say sir, you might say uh, it's a respectful title that he is addressing him. That I might believe on him. Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? So he wants to know more. In other words, this man's faith is still very much active and alive. He's still very much, as far as he knows right now, Jesus is a prophet. And he wants to know more. And so Jesus comes to him and, and asks him this question. Verse 37, And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. Notice that faith is willing to believe and grow in the things of God. That is how you can know somebody has real faith. Pseudo-faith or false faith will not grow because it is only false. But true faith wants to grow. It wants to know more. And haven't you seen people who have come to faith in Christ and it's kind of like they can't get enough. They want to know more and more and more and you begin to tell them and they go to Bible study and they just hang on to every word that's being said and they begin to read their Bible and their faith begins to, to mature more and more and, uh, and it's just a wonderful thing to watch because you know that it is a real faith. And that's kind of a funny thing about that. Someone says, well how do you know a person is a real Christian? Well they begin to come to church on Sunday then they want to come to church on Bible study night. Then they want to come to church on Wednesday night. Then they want to come to church in fellowship with other believers. And then they begin to tell people about their own faith in Christ. And all of a sudden, there is no mistake about it, they truly do believe in Jesus. If you find people who don't want to attend church and they call themselves Christians, they don't want to go to Bible studies and they call themselves Christians, they don't want to come to prayer meeting and they call themselves Christians, they don't want to have fellowship with other believers and they call themselves Christians, hmm, maybe something wrong with this picture. But this fellow wanted to know more. He wanted to know more. And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. I believe. And Jesus said, For judgment I am coming to this world, that they who see not might see, and that they who see might be made blind. Now, some are confused at this statement, thinking, well, well, Jesus didn't come to judge anybody, he came to save. But notice in what context it is. 
they who might see and they who won't see. <laughs> In other words, if a person thinks that they are righteous already and without sin, the Pharisees, well, Jesus has come to say to them, you will remain in your sin. But if he comes to them and he says, you are in need of salvation, you have sins, and if you will confess your sin and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. If they will come realizing their sin, they will come away seeing and believing. This is the judgment that he's talking about here, not the final judgment of the end times. This is the judgment between those who are righteous and those who are unrighteous. <clears throat> so in verse 40, And some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? They want to they find out more. Jesus said unto them, If you were blind, you should have no sin. In other words, you would have confessed your sin. You would be free. You would be righteous in God's eyes. Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness sake. Because he knew that he needed the true and living God and God alone was the one who saved him. So, but now ye say, we therefore, we see therefore, we, uh, your sin remaineth. So Jesus says, uh, you see, you claim you see but actually you don't see. You are yet blind. Therefore your sin remains. Faith prevails. True faith prevails. It is not faith in, of man. It is not faith in man. True faith prevails when faith is in Jesus Christ. That's the faith that prevails. And that's the faith we must have. Faith in Jesus Christ. Not in man. Not in any person. Not in any pastor. Not in anybody. But in the Lord Jesus himself. That faith prevails. Shall we pray? Father, we do thank you for your word to us. We ask your blessing, Father, upon your word. In Jesus' name. Amen.